Um, so a few weeks ago, the first preach was about the past. I don't know if you were here for that one, uh, where we talked about disappointments, we talked about hurts that we may have suffered, um, and those places where we needed to allow God to minister into things that hadn't worked out. We needed to allow God to minister into areas in our souls which were hurting, which were disappointed, because it's important, absolutely vital to guard our faith. And experience can really damage faith sometimes, because if we start looking at our experience and saying, well, that happened, therefore, that becomes my doctrine. I've heard it happen to so many Christians. Our faith is more precious than gold. And we need to make sure that we maintain the conviction that God remains good despite what we see. Amen? So anything we experience, God remains good. Anything we go through, God remains good. Anything that happens, God always remains good in those situations, regardless of whether we get what we want or we see what we want straight off. The second breach was about the present. Um, so it was called Faith is in the Waiting. And that was where the essence of that was that faith is all about the fact that we don't often receive our prayers immediately. And this is where faith is needed, the bit where we prayed and we're waiting to see it happen in reality or see where it happens with our physical eyes. So that's the waiting part. That's where you need faith. You don't need faith if it's already happened. If you've got something you've already want, you've got something that God's already promised you, you don't need faith for that anymore. Does that make sense? So we talked about that. And we talked about the need to persevere. In fact, Hebrews, it makes it, in fact, the Gospels also make it very, very important of perseverance, which is an, a, a dirty word in our society a little bit. But perseverance is really important is that it says in Hebrews, by faith and perseverance, the promises are inherited. And perseverance is really, really, really important. And we talked about keeping our eyes on Jesus in that particular time. And that was the whole point of when uh, Peter was walking on water while his eyes were fixed on Jesus. He could walk over the circumstances, the storms of life, until he took his eyes off Jesus. And then he started to sink and then next week, next week is the future. So that's exciting as well, isn't it? So I feel a little bit like Charles Dickens, to be honest. I've done past, present, and future um, in this. Not ghosts, no ghosts involved at all. But this week, we're going to remain in the present. And uh, Sacco's going to bring us a word he has been carrying. Um, still along that, he wants to expand on, on, um, on the waiting part of faith, which is absolutely essential. So uh, let's give a round of applause, please, for Sacco. Right. Good morning, C3 Church, and good morning to those that are joining us, joining us online. So I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to share what God has actually uh, given me. And uh, like Christian said, obviously he's gone through what uh, the first message was and what the second message uh, was as well. And uh, when Christian spoke about faith is in the waiting. I don't know if you remember when he said that, uh, he said something like, everything in the kingdom is accessed by faith. And when he said that, it's something that actually spoke to me that day. I was thinking, everything in the kingdom actually is accessed by faith. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, you know what, faith requires action. 
And this morning, that's what we're going to be looking at. We'll be looking at how faith requires action. Because in James, it actually says that, you know, it, it, was, it was Abraham's actions that made his faith complete. It is our actions that are actually going to make our faith complete. And it says this in James chapter 2. I'm going to read from uh, uh, James chapter 2 from verse 21 to 24. It says, Don't you know that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. He his, his, faith, his actions made his faith complete. And it says, And so it happened, just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. You know? And it's the very thing that you know, it was his actions that actually made his faith complete. And if we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it actually says, you know, faith is confidence of things hopeful and assurance of things unseen. I believe all of us, at one point, we're actually hoping for something. All of us are actually believing for something in our life. All of us are waiting for something to happen in our life. But the question to us is, what are we doing while we're waiting? Are we actually just, just sitting down and say, you know what, God, I believe you. You've said this, and then everything's going to happen. Or are we actually believing in God, because God's given us a word. God's given us a promise. We hear the word, and we're like, you know what, God, I'll persevere. I'll pray continuously. I'll continue to pray to you. Because some of us might have got a word from God, but what are we doing with that? Maybe we just got a prophetic word from someone. Someone's come to us and said, you know what, God's going to do this in your life. God's going to bless you with this. God wants to use you for this and that. You know, are we just sitting down and waiting for God to move, or are we actually acting on that? Are we, con are we con we're praying to God continuously? Are we actually going back to them to say, you know, applying faith to that and going back and say, you know what, God, you promised this. You spoke this into my life, and you know what, I'm waiting for this. We have to act on what God, say, uh, what God speaks to us. Some of us are waiting for things, the normal things that we deal with in life. We just heard about, you know, uh, Tammy waiting for a house for that long, you know. Those things are real. We could be waiting for that. But we're not just going to sit down and wait. And then after some time, when we remember, we're like, you know what, I'm just going to swim by God and just, oh, God, I'm still waiting. No. We have to pray. We have to continue praying. Get people to come together. You know. Maybe some of us, it's just the normal things in life. We just want God to bless us. We're like, you know what, God, I'm tired. Maybe God bless me with a holiday. You know. God bless me with rest. You know. Maybe it's little things like that. You know. All these things are things that are real in our lives that you know, we, we're probably waiting for or we're expecting. We're coming to God with. You know, but it's something that we have to come to God with all the time, not just waiting. Because you know what? If we sit down and not do anything, you know, we're not going to see the benefits of actually stepping out and going to God. Yeah. So there's a lot of things in life that we could be waiting for. 
And we see a lot of examples in the Bible where actually people were waiting, uh, God spoke to them and they actually acted on that. And actually God delivered. They saw the benefits of actually going to God and stepping out in faith. Abraham was one of them. Obviously, we heard about Abraham a little bit when I read that. But if we look at Genesis 22, which I'm not going to read uh, Genesis 22, but you can go back and read it. Because God actually asked Abraham to go sacrifice his son. And what Abraham did is he went, you know. He listened to what God said. He believed in what God said and went to do that. The only son that he had, when God actually told him that, you know, it was his son who was actually going to, basically, he gave him his son at the age of 100. And at that time, he told Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations. Basically, his son was going to carry that name. And then, just like that, it's going to go on for ge- from generation to generation. And then, in, that, in the midst of all of that, God says to him, you're going to sacrifice his son. But you know what? He believed God and went and did that. And you know what? God delivered for him because he did not end up sacrificing his son because God actually provided you know, a sacrifice. But what spoke to me the most as, you know, I was praying into this and looking at, you know, God, what is it that you wanted me to share? God took me to uh, a story in Joshua, you know, and we're going to go through Joshua chapter 6, because God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. They went captivity in Egypt, and then afterwards, he told them that he's going to take them to the promised land, he's going to give them this land. And he took them from Egypt all the way, showed, uh, performed miracles and everything, and then they crossed the Jordan, they got into Canaan. And at that time, Joshua had just taken over from Moses. And as they went into, as they crossed the Jordan, the first city that they had to actually overcome was, as they were possessing the land, was Jericho. And I want us to go through and look at what God said to Joshua and actually how Joshua actually responded to God when God uh, was giving them the, the city of Jericho. It says this in uh, Joshua chapter 6. Hopefully it comes up on the screen. And we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho, I've given it into your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. That shall, that shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpets. I'll just stop there for a bit. If God came to us today and said, you're going to go march around the ta- uh, Cheltenham town from, let's say, tomorrow, Monday to Saturday, every day, march around once, and then on Sunday, march around seven times, and just shout or blow a trumpet or something like that, and you see the city, uh, the town actually get saved. How many of us would actually have the courage to actually go and do it? How many of us would actually believe, say, you know what, we're going to do it? We probably like the idea of actually seeing people saved. We like the idea of, wow, it would be good if everyone was saved. But to actually do something like that, it takes a lot. 
But here we see, actually, Joshua did that. So it goes on. I'm going to read from verse uh, 15. It says, because jo- what Joshua did at that time, he went, told the priests, told the people of Israel what was happening, and then this is what happened. It says, on the seventh day, they rose uh, early. The, and on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, Shout for the Lord, he has given you the city. So they shouted, and God gave them the city. And it goes on to say this in verse 20. He says, So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Now we look at that story. It's not just like Joshua heard what God said, and that was it. He was like, you know what? God's going to deliver. He heard what God was saying and acted on what God said. He believed and then he acted on what God said. Do we actually act on what we hear God saying to us? Do we act on what we believe God is saying to us? Or do we actually sit down and say, you know what, it will come to pass. I'm sure God's just going to do it. Joshua involved, first of all, the priests and then the people of Israel. He actually went to them and told them, this is what God was saying. It must have been difficult for him to actually do that. You know, if you want to go read back from Genesis all the way to, uh, from Exodus all the way to, to the book of Joshua, we can see actually how difficult the people of Israel were. They saw what God had done for them, the miracles that God had performed. But you know what? They would easily forget that this is what God had done for them. You know. And yet, Joshua finds himself in a position where he's going to the very people that were actually rebellious and actually telling them that, you know what, this is what God said we're going to do. So some of the people might have sounded like, you know what, do we really have to do this? Is God really going to do that? But you know what, he went and did that. And after he did that, God came and delivered from what, uh, what uh, he delivered his promise. I remember about 10 years ago now, you know, I, uh, I was working with furniture anyway, and we used to do deliveries and restore furniture. And it was a Saturday, for some reason, something happened to me and I hurt my foot. I felt something in my foot and I left it like that. On the Sunday, woke up in the morning, it was a bit difficult for me to walk. And I thought to myself, ah, it's just one of them. But Sunday evening, I said, you know what? I don't think I'll be able to work on Monday. Or if I work, I won't be able to do what I normally do because of the pain in my, in, my, in my foot. And at that time, I was full of fear, anxiety, depressed, and all the lot was just dropped on me. And I told my friend that I couldn't do it, and they thought I was just blagging it. Nah, you're just lying. You just don't want to do the work and everything. So that filled me with even more fear. I didn't want to tell anyone how much pain I was in because I thought everyone's just going to think I'm blagging it. So I stayed for a week with just doing light work and 
so that was the Sunday I mentioned it. The whole week, all the way, Monday to Saturday, I was scared to tell anyone. Sat down Saturday, watching telly, and my friend saw my foot and was like, wow, you need to go to the hospital. Look at your little thing in your foot. So went to the hospital, and they did the x-rays and everything. We went in this, into this little room, and they're like, you know what, you fractured the bone just on top there. So they put that plaster thing they put on your foot and all of that. They're like, you know, we can't do much. It's a fractured bone. Just come back on Monday and see someone else and all of that. So I thought, all right, fair enough. I went back uh, Saturday evening. On Sunday, now I was one of those people where you can ask me to sit in front of church, I wouldn't do it. I just used to sit at the back because that's how fearful I was. That Sunday, because of the way my foot was, I had no choice but to sit at the front. So I sat at the front that Sunday and I remember they preached and all of that and at the end they called for people who wanted to receive prayer. I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. Because at that time, I just given my life to Christ and I was like, you know what, this is not happening to me. And they, they, whatever they asked for people to go for prayer for, some people were getting up and they're like, is there anyone else who needs prayer? And I was like, nah. I'm not getting up. Inside of me, there was that conviction to say, you need to get up for prayer. You need to get up for prayer. And I looked up like that where I sat. There was just someone waiting there. I was like, all right, fair enough. I got up. <laughs> I got up, received prayer, and I was like, you know what, God? You know, all, the only thing I want is that you heal me. You know, I'm going to get up. I received prayer and all of that. The following day, because I had to go back on the Monday to go to the hospital, so I went to the hospital on the Monday. They took that plaster thing off, and then they were like, all right, let's have a look. Uh, first of all, they looked at the x-rays. They were like, you know what, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> I was like, really? So they took the plaster thing off, and they were like, how do you feel? I'm like, there's a little bit there. But. So they sent me for another x-ray. They checked the other x-ray. There was nothing wrong with me. And you know, that, I believe that only happened because I stepped out and received prayer. If I sat down there thinking everything was going to be all right, when actually God was actually speaking to me, the Holy Spirit inside me was like, you know what, you need to get up, you need to get up. It's in that moment that I actually got up and God did what God does best. And it's the same with all of us here. If God's going to speak to us, if God's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to convict us, kind of say, get up, you know, let's get up, let's receive prayer, let's get up and pray, whether it's in our houses, you know, let's talk to people. And the one thing about all of it, when I look at Abraham and I look at Joshua, for instance, there was a level of accountability as well with them. Because if you look at Genesis 22, it says Abraham took, it did two of his servants. Joshua was also accountable to the people around him as well, the priests. He took the priests. Now, the reason I put that in is because I'm not saying that people should just say, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm gone because God's saying that, you know. Be accountable if you're going to have to be accountable to people. You know. Let's do it the right way. And when God calls us, he knows where we are. A lot of us can be in that place where we think, you know what, wait a minute, I need to prepare first of all. Maybe you need a shower, maybe you need to brush your teeth, whatever it is, I don't know. But you know what, God knows where we are, God knows where our hearts are, and he calls us the way we are. And God's saying, you know what, just come as you are. 
God's not saying that, you know what, go get prepared and then come to me. Now nah, he knows where we are and he wants to do a work just the way we are. You know, a lot of us can be in that place where we actually just want to prepare for this. We want to prepare. Yeah, that's this life that we live here because we want to prepare for things. But when it comes to God, you know, it's not about that. If God wanted us to prepare, he would say, you know what, go get ready and then come to me. You know, but sometimes God will just say, you know what, come. I want to do this in your life. And, you know, when we look at that, uh, when we look at Abraham, uh, sorry, Joshua's story, one thing I like about Joshua's story is, you know, Joshua involved a lot of people for the benefit of the people. And to me, as I was reading that, it was like, that just goes with the vision for the church of intentionally building community. They were together in everything that they did. They encouraged everyone to shout, you know. Everyone shouted together and everyone saw the work of God get done in that moment. That's the power of God. God will use that one person to affect a lot of people, but use a lot of people to affect even more and more and more people. But you know what? It's not going to happen if we just come and just sit down. We need to act on the word of God. And it's not like, you know, it's just me and God. I'm going to pray and everything is going to be all right. Sometimes God will be like, you know what? God's going to use someone who's going to come here and say, like, you know, people constantly saying our vision is to intentionally build community. Our vision is to intentionally build community. That, God can use that very thing to kind of say, guys, wake up. Let's do this in the community. You know, just little things like that. But it all starts with when God speaks, we act. Amen? Yeah. And as Christian is coming up now, you know, something that, was, uh, that God was saying is, I don't know if all of us are Christians in here or not, or those that are watching online, but a lot of us, or should I say all of us who've given our lives to Christ, the first action we took was to say yes. Just like Andy was saying earlier on, it's that yes. You know. And for some of us, maybe that's what we need today. We just need that yes. That's the very thing that we just need to say. You know what, God? I accept. I want to get on this journey. I want to go with you. Amen? Right. I'm just going to pass you on to Christian now, who's going to finish off. And I just want to encourage us, you know, in church, Sometimes the one thing that actually, the very thing that stops us from getting up is the very thing we need to act on. I don't know if that makes sense, but let it digest. I'll put it in the way it happened to me. Fear stopped me from getting up, but fear was the very reason that I needed to get up. So I'm going to pass on to Christian and then you can finish off. Done, Seco. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Wasn't that good? Yeah. Another round of applause again. That was awesome. <laughs> can breathe now. That was really good, though. Really, really good. Thank you so much for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, from just leading on from what he said, it's never easy waiting, is it? It's never easy waiting. Um, and if you're waiting right now for God to move, if you're waiting for him to answer a prayer, if you're waiting for him to fulfill a promise, 
you're waiting them to solve an issue right now. Um, it can be very wearing, um, and it's important that we act. Absolutely, it's important that we act on, uh, on what he's saying. But God's also the power to take us through any situation that we're in. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord is everlasting strength. Regardless of the circumstances, our soul can remain in perfect peace. Our souls can remain strong. Our souls can remain strengthened and energized. Full of hope. And that's because we have the power of the Holy Spirit himself to get through any situation with joy. Amen? The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us all. And Isaiah tells it as it is. How? By trust. So let us learn to draw from the Holy Spirit. Let us learn to trust in the Holy Spirit, to be our supernatural strength, to get us not just through the day, but enjoying the day. While we're waiting, while we're in this waiting time, while we're, we're still acting, of course, but it can be tiring. He's our strength. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is our strength. And at the end, I don't know where you are with this, but God doesn't want us to do life by ourselves. Ever. That was never his intention at the beginning, and it's still not his intention now. His idea wasn't that you'd grow up and be able to be a big boy all by yourself and be able to get on with life. His idea is always that we walk with him every single step along the way. Amen? So if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time or be refreshed by the Holy Spirit, there will be a prayer ministry team available at the end. The most beautiful thing of all of this is that God desires relationship with every single one of us. His heart is for us. His love never ends. His compassion is limitless. He sees every single hurt. He sees all of our pain. He wants to heal it. He wants to restore us exactly as we should be. And Jesus died for our sins so that they could be forgiven. So that we can enjoy that eternal relationship with God that goes on forever. And it's one that brings a new peace. It's one that brings a hope. It's one that brings a joy into our lives. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And you may find yourself in one of the following three categories. So um, can I ask for every head to be bowed at this point of the service, please? The first one is that you don't know Jesus today. You don't know him as your Lord and Savior. You've never been a Christian. And you'd like to make this day the day where you begin your relationship with him. The second one is that you used to walk with Jesus. And you'd like to reconnect with him today. You'd like to recommit your life to him today. To give him your heart again. To surrender lordship to him again today. The third one is that you may not be sure of your salvation. You may not be sure at the end of your life you will be going to heaven. And you desire the certainty that Jesus offers. If you relate to any of those three 
then please pray along with me now and repeat these words out of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing and receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen.